We are in part three of our series on Sabbath rest. We're taking four weeks to look at the fourth commandment. Uh, Ron read the fourth commandment just a bit ago. Uh, Today, I'd love for you to grab your Bible. We should have one near you if you didn't bring one. Search one on your phone, on your app. Uh, We're going to actually kind of use Exodus 28 through 11 as a launching pad to go some other places. So every once in a while, I'll tell you about a different verse, and we can play like sword drills, Bible trivia, and we can see who finds it first. Not really, but keep your Bible handy. Um, Last two weeks, we talked about why rest, and then we talked about what rest really is last week. I encourage you to catch up on the podcast on the website. We won't be able to rehash everything today, but I will tell you uh, one big thing that we've said is this, of, of why and what is Sabbath rest, is we said that, that God works when we rest, that God moves when we stop moving, that he set it up that way from the very beginning of creation, and it follows through the New Testament with Jesus. It maybe changes a little bit in administration, but the principle stays the same, is that God moves when we rest. That God, uh, or God works when we rest, God moves when we stop moving, and the reason it works like that is because God set it up that way. So he's wired us to function in that way. And so go back and listen to the, the why, the what, they all kind of build on one another, but today we're going to get into the how of rest. How do we do Sabbath rest? How do we develop rhythms in our lives of rest? What does this actually look like? Because here's what I know. Many of you who have heard the first two sermons and considered rest and why and and what it really is, Shabbat, and what that really means in your life, many of you have looked at that and some of you have said, hey, Tim, I'm really busy. Like I'm in a really difficult season of life right now and I don't even know if it's possible to rest. And so maybe you've kind of given up. And some of you, maybe you've looked at your schedule and looked at your life and said, hey, the what, the why of rest, like I need to change my life. And you know your schedule needs to change, your finances need to change a little bit, priorities need to be altered, but you're not really sure how to do that. And I know as some of us walk in here, whether you've heard this series or not, as you consider the possibility of rest, if you're honest, you're completely overwhelmed, you're stressed, you feel empty, and you don't even know where you would start trying to rest. And so we're going to get into the practical of how. I think a lot of times we can hear something like rest, and maybe if this is your first Sunday and you think, I just feel guilty because I don't rest, and I don't know how to do it. And so the goal is not for you to feel guilty over not resting, right? The goal is for you to actually rest. And so we're going to get super practical today and tell you how you can develop rhythms in your life. So I think it's going to be really helpful as we get into it. We're going to talk about primarily two things today. We're going to talk about intentional Sabbath rest. And then number two, injecting Sabbath rest into your everyday life. Again, we'll hop around for a few different verses, but we'll start in Exodus 20, verse 8, with our first point, intentional Sabbath rest. If you look at that text... Exodus 20, verse 8, starts with very intentional commands. Just look at it with me. It says, remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. So remember, keep it. Very intentional commands there. Hebrews, we've talked about a little bit. The book of Hebrews, fast forward to the New Testament. A big theme throughout the book of Hebrews is Sabbath rest. And in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11, we see that we should strive to enter rest. One translation says, make every effort to enter into rest. Jesus says, come to me and I'll give you rest. And so the reality is, as we look at rest in the scriptures and Sabbath rest particularly, 
There's very explicit, direct commands of ways to enter into rest. You see, the reality is we don't fall into rest. We step into it, right? We don't just walk along in life and our schedules and our jobs and our families and church and everything that's pulling on us and just like, oh, oh my gosh, I, I think I'm resting right now. What is happening? Right? I don't know if it's like that for you. It's not like that for me and, or anybody that I talk to. We have to strive, as Hebrews 4 says. We have to remember. We have to keep it. We have to, as Jesus says, come to Jesus, and then he'll give us rest. And so there's an intentionality about our rest. There's a work that takes to get to our, our rest. And so as we look at that, a lot of us, realize that, that we're not taking intentional steps towards rest. And you know this when you say things in life like, man, I don't remember the last time I sat down today. Have you said that? Man, I don't remember the last time I took a nap. Have you said that? Like, I don't remember the last time we had a date night. Like, I don't remember the last time I just stopped and enjoyed life. Anybody said that? In the past few months, in the past week, and we start to realize, like, man, I don't think I take times to rest. And maybe you're having some of those thoughts right now. We aren't intentional about our rest, therefore it doesn't happen. Like, all of those things, date nights, naps, stopping, they don't happen unless you strive, unless you enter into it, unless you step into it. You don't fall into it, right? And we see that just from these few verses in Scripture. And I was thinking about it. A lot of our lives are like the Oregon Trail. Anybody ever played the Oregon Trail? Raise your hand. Old computer game. Yeah, woo. I love the Oregon Trail. I think it was supposed to be educational about how to travel and journey across the states. But I just like to shoot things. And so if you played it, you know, you can hunt and you can shoot things and you can kill bears and buffalo and all sorts of things. But the idea is you're supposed to journey across the country, right? And so you're supposed to shoot things and hunt for food, but that's it, right? You're supposed to pile things on your wagon, and you're supposed to take opportunities to rest, right? And guess what happens if you don't rest? Little Johnny gets dysentery, right? You played the game? A wheel falls off your wagon. I don't know if you guys have played this game. Maybe I should move on. When I played, that's what would happen. Somebody would get sick. I didn't even know what dysentery was, but I just know you could die from it. And then before I would know it, I'm just hunting and shooting things and piling 300 pounds of bear onto my wagon, and my whole crew dies, right? Because I never stopped to, to rest. And you see, I think a lot of us, we do that with, with work and distraction and busyness in our lives, don't we? That we often wait till the wheels fall off before we think about intentionally resting. Like maybe it's, you're hunting at your job, you're doing things, getting things done at work, you're doing things with the kids and they're in every extracurricular activity known to man and you're just going and blowing, your schedule is jam-packed, no margin, it's all across the page, no margin at all and you only stop to think, do I rest? Am I taking intentional steps to rest when the wheels fall off? Right? Or maybe literally like the Oregon Trail, when one day you stop and you die. 
Many of us don't ever think about rest till those moments. And listen, my hope for you, the reason why we're spending four weeks in the fourth commandment is that you would take those steps now to think about as roommates, to think about as friends, to think about for your schedule and your calendar and your family and your job. How do I take intentional steps to rest? How do I remember the Sabbath? How do I keep it holy? How do I strive to enter into it? Because the reality is you won't fall into it, you have to step into it, right? And so that's my desire for you as we start this series, as we go through this series, is that you would step into rest. Because if we don't, it won't happen. If we don't, you'll, you'll say those things all the time, like, I don't remember the last time I rested. I don't remember the last time we, we had a date night. I don't remember the last time. You'll always say that unless you make plans and make it intentional. Psalm 90 says this. It says, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. What's that saying? Teach us to number our days so that we may get a heart of wisdom. What's that saying? Life is brief. Our days have a number, right? And so unlike Oregon Trail, where you get to kill all the animals and pile 300 pounds of beef on your uh, wagon and little Johnny dies of dysentery and your wheel falls off, At the end of that, you just get to hit restart and play it again, right? And keep on doing the same thing over and over. Listen, life is different than that. You have one life. Your days are numbered. You can't just hit restart and play it all again. You have your one life, this rhythm of work and then rest and being intentional about that. That's your one shot to do this. And so listen, we have to to stop and plan for it to happen. It's intentional rest. And as we talk about that, maybe you're thinking, okay, Tim, well, how do I actually make intentions with my rest? What does that look like? I want to give you two things, uh, methods and motivations. We talked about last day that you would pick a Sabbath day. Again, we don't have time to rehash all that, uh, but we talked about what is Sabbath what it was in the Old Testament, what it is in the New Testament, how you pick your day according to that. So again, go back, listen to that sermon that will help you, but pick a day and then start to think about methods and motivations, how you can stop and set aside time unto God. So a method would be the Bible, right? A method would be on the Sabbath as you rest that you would study the Bible. Remember, we defined Sabbath rest last week as stopping and setting aside, and surrendering unto God. And so the reality is, a lot of us can stop and just watch Netflix, right? A lot of us can stop and just think about nothing and drift away. Sabbath isn't that. Sabbath is stopping, setting it aside, and surrendering it unto God. And so what method helps you do that? How do we learn about God? How do we spend time with God? How are we nourished and equipped by God? Scripture, right? We said this in the membership class last week. The reason we believe that that all 66 books, 40 plus authors, 1,500 years, that it's all inspired by God and that we listen to it, we read it every Sunday, we encourage you to read it during the week. The reason we do that is because we believe it reveals who God is and what he has done. That's the reason why we meet for church. That's the reason why we even know what church is. It's because of the Bible. And so a great method on your Sabbath rest day, whatever that day that is, Saturday and Sunday, 
whatever day it is for you, that you would study God's word, that you would set aside some time to listen to God in his word. That would be one method. So get a devotional book, ask us for one, pick a book of the Bible and start going through it. That's your, that's your method in Sabbath rest, an intentional Sabbath rest. But you can also do things that sometimes we may, we may not consider spiritual, but can be the most spiritual thing you can do, like walks. Like taking a walk could be a method of you resting. Every Sunday afternoon, my family, we either take a walk or we ride our bikes. I shared with you last Sunday, uh, I'm a pastor, so I'm a little bit weird, right, in multiple ways. But one of those ways is I work on Sunday morning, so Sunday, the whole of the day, can't be my Sabbath rest. And so what we do as a family is we combine Saturday morning with Sunday afternoon. And so Sunday afternoon, we get home, and honestly, I'm tempted to keep working. I'm tempted to, to check and see how many people were there on Sunday. See who we need to follow up with after Sunday. Start planning the next sermon and the next week. But I stop, and we set aside time unto God, and we do it with something simple as, as going for a walk or riding our bikes. And so looking at Scripture, taking a walk, Riding your bike. Again, there's a long list. We're not going to get legalistic about that. You find for you what method helps you engage God. Again, stop, set aside the time, and surrender unto God. A lot of things can do that. Here's where the motivation comes in. Is all of those things could just be religious acts without the proper motivation, right? Even a walk. You could just say, well, I'm, I'm taking this walk because I'm supposed to, because Pastor Tim said to, because it's Sabbath rest, you could look at scripture and think, I'm just earning God's favor, which would be the opposite of resting in, in God, right? And so your motivation is key that you could look at scripture and think, God, how am I going to rest in you? Where are the areas of my life where I'm not resting in you? And allow scripture to speak into that. Go on a walk with your spouse or a friend or a roommate and take that walk and not just um, take a stroll but spend some intentional time, maybe talking with your spouse or your friend and saying, hey, what have you been learning this week in God's word? What's God revealing to you? And in a walk where you're not distracted by anything else, even something like running. I don't know how it's restful for some of you, but it is, right? Some of you, that's your method. You just love to run. And, and when the sun is rising, you love to run. Again, I don't understand that. I'm not doing that for rest. But maybe some of you are. And listen, that can be rest. That method can be a method of Sabbath rest because of your motivation, right? That you don't go on the Sabbath, whatever day that is for you, that you don't go for a run just to keep the weight off or just to beat your previous time, right? You go for a run and you consider God's mercies in your life. As the sun begins to rise, you realize, God, you made that happen. You are creator and sustainer of all things as you're just jogging along, you know? And you're having those thoughts. That's your, your motivation changes. And so you can do some of the things you already do every day of the week, but just change your motivation. Because what the Sabbath is, again, that we talked about last week is stopping, but setting it aside and surrendering it unto God. And so there's lots of different ways to do that. It's method and it's motivation, but you have to plan for that to happen. One of those ways is journaling. I don't normally journal. I don't do this very well. I don't write things down all the time. My wife gets onto me because I don't do that. 
things in our church, things in our life. I don't always write them down, but I was reading this book for this series called 24-6, if you can catch what that means. You should get it. It's a great book by a medical doctor, 24-6, who is a Christian who speaks at churches and talks about Sabbath rest. He's not just a medical doctor. He was a, a doctor in the ER, and so he knows about busyness, overwhelming uh, life rhythms in his own life, but also in the patients that he would see. And he writes this book from that perspective, and it's really helpful. And one of the things that was so helpful that he talked about was that he would, in his life, throughout the week, again, medical doctor, really busy in the ER, doing all those things, had a family. He would, in his life, as things got overwhelming, he would stop, and he would, in an Evernote or in a journal, write down moments of joy, moments of thankfulness, moments where he was reminded that God is in control, that he can have peace with God. And he would write those down. And then what I love the most is on, on his Sabbath day, he would read them all. Right? So just throughout the week, making notes of the good things that, that happened, the, the things he's thankful for, that sunrise, that 107-day in Phoenix that turns into a 72-degree in Phoenix, amen? Like he write, write those things down, right? They don't happen all the time if you're new to Phoenix. Write those things down. And on the Sabbath day, read those. And rest in what God has done. And see, this is why I love that so much is because one of the reasons I don't journal very well is because I don't do a very good job of being thankful, right? I get involved in the chaos of life. And so some of, some of you, you have chaos in your life. I have chaos in my life. I'm not removed from this. I'm a father of three, I have a church and all of these things. My wife has a part-time job. You know, we, we live normal lives, right? We're real people, and so there's times where I get frazzled. There's times when things get chaotic and I don't experience Sabbath rest and I'm not intentional about it. And so that was really impactful for me to hear because I started thinking about just yesterday. Yesterday, I was running errands with all three of my kids. I know, pray for me. I don't know what that means about our lives that I would even try to do that, but we like obstacles, right? And so I'm running errands with three of my kids and just a few things happened. I was at Target. And I was getting a refund at the service desk. And just for a moment, I looked away from my little uh, toddler. And she pulled down, whatever that's called, like the rope, that, the VIP rope that like Hollywood has, where you walk into the, the service line at Target, because that's what you feel like at Target, is you're in Hollywood when we're getting a refund, apparently. But I look, I look at the service desk, and I'm talking to her, paying attention to her, one second away from my toddler. And what does she do? She pulled that whole rope down on her face, right? And so not only did she pull it down and make a scene, she's screaming and crying and hurt herself. Nothing happened. Nobody pushed her into that. She's just a toddler. And she pulls things down on herself. She, she loses her balance in the everyday things of life because she's a toddler. We went to Costco after that, ran into somebody at our church. And then right after that moment, Kelly, right after that moment, my toddler stuck her finger directly in my eyeball. And I got my other two kids with me, and I'm just crying, you know, like salty residue, but, but crying, running down my face, and, and I'm just, I'm stressed, I'm overwhelmed, I'm busy, I'm distracted, and if I'm not careful, those moments will define my life, right? Those moments of, of busyness, of chaos, will define me. And I'll go home and I'll share that with my wife and then we'll go to bed stressed and angry and frustrated and we'll never rest because I'm not naturally thankful. I don't naturally see all the, the good things, God's graces in my life. And so I need to write those things down. 
Because you know what else happened yesterday with my toddler, the same one who pulled the rope down at Target and poked me in the eye? We went to a sporting goods store. We made a lot of, of errands yesterday. Uh, we went to a sporting goods store, and she put on this little pink baseball helmet, and she put it on backwards. And she said, Daddy, watch. Daddy, watch. And I took a picture of her, and I was like, I'm going to remember this moment <laughs> instead of her poking me in the eye, right? Because the, the reality is there's moments like that with my toddler. There's moments on the swing with my toddler where she's like, Daddy, swing me, swing me. And I'm like, I'm already swinging. you <laughs> like, how, how fast do you need to go? And there's moments like that. There's moments where my kids ask me about Jesus. We drove by uh, one of the churches on Central Avenue this week. And, my, and there's a big cross and a statue of what they think Jesus looks like, right? And we're at that stoplight at Central in Missouri. And my son asked me, like, Dad, is that Jesus? And I said, well, that, that's what they think he may look like. And somebody made a sculpture, and it's very pretty. And he said, is Jesus God? And I said, yeah, he is. And I got to start talking about the gospel. And you see, the reality is, and whether you have kids or not, these moments happen at your job. These moments happen in your relationships and your friendships. There's moments of chaos and busyness. Now, there are some unique moments that are chaotic and busy when you have a toddler. But this happens for all of us, and if we don't stop to see also God's graces to us, God's goodness to us, in those moments, we will forget. And so these are just different ways, methods and motivations that we can intentionally experience Sabbath rest. So let me ask you a question. How are you doing? How are you doing with that? Are you intentional about rest? Are you thinking, and maybe you would never say this, but one day we'll fall into rest. Like one day when the kids get old enough and they graduate high school, then we'll, we'll rest. This summer when we go to Hawaii, then we'll rest. When I get this project done or this promotion done, then, then we'll rest. When our lives get a little bit less chaotic, then we'll take a date night and we'll, we'll rest together as a couple. How are you doing? Are you making intentional steps to rest? One day a week, what does that look like for you? Your method, your motivation. What does it look like to look at days, plural, in your year to take a rest? Listen, we're about to go into summer. This is a great time to sit down with your family and start to think through not just what could be the funnest or the most entertaining thing to do as friends or family, but what will give us rest. What are ways we can take multiple days throughout the year and retreat and experience Sabbath rest and stop and set aside and surrender that time unto God. One of the things that I do now that I'm so thankful for, even though it's tedious, is I look at my whole calendar year and I look at my kids' school calendar, which changes every year. I look at my uh, church calendar. I look at all the sermon series. I look at all our holidays. I look at all the rhythms of all these different things. And I chronicle them all, and then I plan out our year. I try to for the church and my preaching schedule and what we're going to talk about. I try to plan it out for the whole year. Because if I don't do that, I'll never take days of Sabbath rest. So I've learned from that. So now what I do is spring break, really big deal. We have kids in school. And so I make sure I'm not preaching that following Sunday. And, and I do the work. It's tedious. I look at all these different calendars, and sometimes I think, man, this is not restful but it ends up leading to rest because we need to strive to enter into rest. We need to remember, keep the Sabbath. It's very intentional. And so are you doing that with a day a week? Are you doing that with days of the year? The second point, how can we inject 
Sabbath rest. And we need to be intentional about Sabbath rest, but the reality is you're not always going to be able to have one whole day or multiple days a year. You need to inject it into what you're already doing. The beauty of that is Jesus. We can actually do this. Colossians 2, 16 through 17 says this. It says, so let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is Christ. That the Sabbath, Old Testament to new, served as a shadow, a sign pointing us to true rest in Jesus. We talked about this last week. That Jesus, what he does with the law of the Sabbath, with the fourth command and every law, he fulfills the true meaning and intent of it. And so the reality is, the Sabbath day, the tradition of taking a Sabbath, is ultimately to point you to Jesus. It's a shadow. It's a sign that points to Jesus, that we can experience ultimate rest in him. If you've placed your faith in his life, death, and resurrection, you can rest and inject rest, not just one day a week, but every day of your week. Jesus said, Matthew 11, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Notice he doesn't say something else will give you rest, or some morality will give you rest, or practice will give you rest. He says, I will give you rest. Ephesians says, he himself is our peace. That's Jesus. Jesus himself will give us rest. Jesus himself will give us peace. So just think through your routine. If you have access to Jesus and he is peace and he is rest, ultimately, how can you inject that in every day, not just one day of the week, right? Not just one vacation that you can look forward to, not just one retreat that you can plan. And listen, do all those things. We just talked about all that. Do all those things. But because of Jesus, we have the freedom to inject rest, Sabbath rest in every day of the week. So what does that look like? Well, a couple things. One, your body can be moving, but your soul can still be at rest. Here's what I mean by that is, is today my wife is teaching in kids ministry. Later on today, we have a birthday party for two of our kids. Uh, I'm preaching. We have a membership class in between there. And somehow we're going to pull all that off. And maybe we need to look at our schedule and think about rest, right? That's just a window into my Saturday and Sunday. And listen, it was a little chaotic and busy when I left this morning. Our bodies can still be moving and we can have things on the agenda, but we can still have rest in our soul. Why? the person of Jesus. He is our rest. He himself is our peace. And so I get it. I know your schedules aren't all gonna line up all the time. And listen, maybe you do need to do some shifting and and adjusting in your schedule. Maybe we do. But we can still experience a busy Saturday and a Sunday, and we can know that, hey, all of these things we're gonna do our membership class, our church service, me preaching, our birthday parties, that we're not striving for approval with these people. We're striving to enter into a rest. And the great thing about Jesus is through the cross, he's already garnered that approval completely for us. So we're free to rest because we don't have to prove ourselves. We have ultimate approval through Jesus. And so all these busy things, we can go through them and and churn away and work hard during the week and and spend time with people, but still have rest. Your, Your body can keep moving, but your soul can rest because of Jesus. If he is your rest, if he is your peace, that can happen for you. 
And so while those days and those places and those trips are important, you don't have to go to the Grand Canyon to experience Sabbath rest. You don't have to go to Pine Top to experience rest. You don't have to go to the lake to experience rest. Listen, you can be in your cubicle, but you can be at the lake. Way better than the lake. You can be with Jesus. You can access his presence because you know him, right? Because he himself is our peace. Because he is our ultimate rest. And so you can inject this type of rest throughout the day, even if your body feels busy. This can happen for you. But as we think about that, we need to understand there are some things working against this injection of Sabbath rest, right? One of those things in our day and time with technology is we can work anywhere. And because we can work anywhere, we work everywhere, right? And so I can be in the park and I can shoot an email. I can be uh, at my daughter's musical and I can go outside and talk on the phone and get something done. You can be at a family gathering where you're supposed to be resting and experience the joy of, of friendship and relationship with your family. And you can be on your phone the whole time, sending emails, putting together tasks in Asana. And you can work from anywhere, so we end up working everywhere. That, that works against us in our culture from injecting rest, right? I think about that episode of, uh, or, or a news channel, uh, BBC. Have you seen this? Where that guy was at home in his home office, and they were piping him in, Skyping him in, and he was doing an interview with BBC. And what happens, his little daughter uh, walks in, and she doesn't have a care in the world, right? She doesn't know he's on national television, worldwide television. My favorite part was when the little boy rolled in, right, on his little toy. Have you seen this? And then my my absolute favorite part was when the mom did covert, covert ops, right? And she's like crawling through, and you almost think it's a comedy sketch, She's crawling through, and she, like, reaches up, grabs the door, shuts it, grabs the kids, and, like, maneuvers. It was covert ops. Like, it was amazing. And and he's working from home. And listen, that's not all bad, and it's not bad that technology can help you send emails and stay up to date on things. But the reality is, when you can work in your pajamas at home over GoToMeeting or Skype or a conference call... That changes injecting Sabbath rest into your life. That's a challenge that we have to work through that previous generations didn't have to work through, right? We need to recognize that. Again, doesn't mean it's all bad. A lot of it can be a gift for further, furthering the kingdom and doing more work to the glory of God and for our joy. But it can be a stumbling block to injecting Sabbath rest in our life. Second one is that not only can we work anywhere, we can be distracted anytime. We have iPads, iPhones, maybe iPods, some of you still have those, computers, MacBooks, iMacs, I just use Mac, I don't know what you use. We have lots of things, right? We can be distracted at any time, so much so that when we lose our device, it feels like we lost a kid, right? Have you ever had that moment when maybe your spouse left her phone somewhere And immediately you see panic across her face and she gasps, sweat maybe is beginning to bead down and she's looking everywhere or he's looking everywhere and you're like, did we leave a kid? No, have you seen my phone? Right? Have you ever done that? 
that we can be distracted at any time, and we're so used to distraction that stillness and quiet drives us crazy. And so maybe some of you are thinking, Tim, I've tried to inject Sabbath rest in my day, and I get bored. I've tried to inject Sabbath rest in my day, but I can't stop thinking about the work and the projects and the kids and the emails, and, and I can't stop checking things. And I, and I look, and when my phone's not on, I freak out. And when I don't have it, I freak out, and I'm not close to a device. I mean, it's like my blanket when I was a baby. And some of us think through that. And again, this is the challenge of our time that we have to work through practically of how we get through that to experience Sabbath rest. There's lots of things working against this. And listen, the issue is not just you get bored when you, when you rest and, and, and maybe you're extroverted and you're not introverted. Like maybe some of the excuses that you've thought through. The issue is not like God's boring or you got too much going on. The issue is ultimately this. It's unbelief, right? The issue ultimately, no matter what the distraction or what the work, anytime, anywhere is, it's unbelief that we are, maybe we won't say it, but we are looking at Jesus and when he says, come to me and I will give you rest, we think, Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about. I mean, you don't understand my schedule, You don't understand my crushing responsibility. I mean, back when you were alive, Jesus, I mean, you just spent your time meditating, sitting with kids, speaking, and eating with people. And maybe you've never said that, but we kind of live like that. It's kind of inwardly in us that we think that that way. And listen, if you've ever thought that way, if you have this unbelief, You need to know Jesus got more done in three years than we will get done in 90. You look at the life of Jesus, you read the Gospels, and you see Jesus say, follow me. He comes alongside some fishermen. They're busy doing some things, and he says, follow me. They get up and go, right? There's no debating. There's no waste of time. They get up and go. In fact, sometimes Jesus says, follow me, and they say, wait, no, I got to bury my dad. I got some other things back home I got to resolve, and he says, no, there's no time to bury the dead. Follow me. Let's go. We got work to do, right? That Jesus goes around healing people. He casts out demons. He preaches to the masses. He spends time with individuals uncovering sins in their life. That Jesus got more done in uh, in three years than we'll get done in 90. So do you think he knows how to rest? You think he knows the value of rest? You think he knows the value of rest in your life? Jesus got all that done in three years that we know of from Scripture that we see. And yet we see all the time he took time to Sabbath, to rest. He calls us to do the same. And so is your issue with distraction, with work, is it just those things or is there something deeper? Is it unbelief? Do you believe that Jesus actually knows what he's doing when he says, come to me, I'll give you rest? Do you believe that Jesus actually knew what he was doing when he worked hard with the disciples, accomplished much, changed the world, and yet still took time to rest? You think there's something to that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that's sufficient for your life? That that's your rhythm that you should walk in? Why? Because the Son of God, Jesus, walked in that. And we want to be like him. If that's our issue, we need to work through that. We, we don't need to just simply think, oh, I, need, I need a calendar differently. Maybe you do. I need a schedule differently. Maybe you do. 
I need to get rid of these distractions. Maybe you do, but you need to uncover what's the real reason behind that. And I want to invite you to do that this morning, to trust in Jesus, to believe in Jesus. Not just for salvation, but for Sabbath, for rest, that we would do that and take steps to do that in our lives. How do we do that? Look at Psalm 37 with me. You can search it on your phone real quick. I want you to look at it if you can. Search it in your Bible, Old Testament, middle of your Bible, Psalm 37. I'm going to read verses 4 through 7. It says this. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. I want to hone in on three phrases, three practices that you can inject Sabbath rest into your everyday. The first one is this, verse 4, delight in the Lord. Those are those moments of thankfulness. Those are the ones you journal. You enjoy the journey and you, you make note of it. You delight in the Lord. When's the last time you've done that? Some of you serve you come to church, you do read your Bible, and you're checking those boxes, and you're, you're thinking, Tim, that's not joyful to me. You need to know you're missing the whole point, that you should be delighting in the Lord through those practices. Are you? Take opportunities to be specific about delighting in the Lord. Don't worry about your life. Delight in your Lord. Take those opportunities to focus on what it means to be thankful. Jesus said, worry doesn't add a single hour to your life. Remind yourself of that. God wants your joy. God's not fighting against your joy. He wants your joy. He set this up so you would get more joy in his glory. That's the way he set it up. Delight in the Lord, first way. The second way to inject this Sabbath rest into every single day is commit your way to the Lord. We see that in verse 5. A simple way to think through this is what stirs and stills your affections for Jesus. Commit your, your way to the Lord that every day you would think about, in my day today, what stirs my affections for Jesus? What steals from that? And so what stirs it? Good deeds, right? That's why Jesus did good deeds on the Sabbath is because these things can stir our affection for Jesus. He is our rest. He is our peace. And so good deeds, committing your way to the Lord. What can I do today to to do good deeds, to be generous? And then what steals from your affections? And so maybe things like magazines that you look at or read that have images of things that you don't need to look at that make your heart think, why don't I I look like that? Why don't I have those things? You do that when you look at social media and you look at the highlights of everybody else's life and you're looking at your behind the scenes and you think, Man, why is my life not that great? And what am I doing with my life? And maybe you need to limit your social media because it's stealing affection for Jesus. It's robbing you of your rest. Maybe there's a specific person in your life. Listen, I'm not saying go to isolation and just disregard everybody who troubles you. But the reality is for some of you, there may be a person, family member, friend, neighbor, who every time you engage them, they criticize you, they belittle you, They verbally abuse you, and you think, man, every time I get around that person, I just feel this this sunken weight. It's robbing me of my affection for Jesus. It's robbing me of any sense of rest. And listen, you can love that person from afar. Some of you may need to. I mean, in an extreme scenario, you may need to love that person from afar because it's stealing 
your affection, your rest in Jesus. And the opposite of that, man, we need to be a people of Jesus Christ that help others rest, right? That hopefully none of us, uh, none of us in this room are the people we need to get away from, right? We need to be with us more and be in this room more and be with the people of God more because we help others get rest because we're showing them and helping them stir their affection for Jesus and his rest. The last thing we see in this passage is verse seven, be still before the Lord. So that's solitude, that's prayer, that's listening to God. Just taking a moment and say, God, what, what do you wanna teach me today? And just be quiet, shut up. Like don't say anything and just see what happens. Take a moment to listen to others, to be fully present. So many times we're not still and in, in, in present because we're present somewhere else. Because we may be here physically, but mentally we're off somewhere else thinking about something else. When we're at work, we're thinking about being at home. When we're at home, we're thinking about being at work. What if you were just still listening to God and listening to other people? We don't do a fantastic job of listening. What if we, what if we change that and to be still so we can inject rest into our life? These are just three ways. There's more. Listen, I, I want you to think about two questions as we close. How will you schedule step into rest? How will you make this a priority in your life? God says it's important. Rest is not a suggestion, it's a command, right? We've seen that over and over in the fourth commandment. And so take a look at your priorities. God, family, friends, work, all these things. And see, does my calendar reflect that? Like, take a moment to write down your priorities. Like, what is that for you? And then see, does my calendar reflect that? Because the reality is our calendars aren't just about what we get done. They're about who we become. You want to see what's really important to somebody, you look at their bank account and you look at their calendar, right? And those aren't just, well, they, they go to Chick-fil-A a lot or they, they, they go out to eat a lot or they have these events that they do a lot. That's not just about what you do. That's who you're becoming. And so what will you change this week? As you think about practically intentional rest, injecting rest, what will you change about your calendar? If it, if it says who you are, what will you change so it reflects your priorities? The second question What needs to be taken away tomorrow so that you can experience routine rest, so it can be injected into your life? Some of you, you know some things right now. That's stealing rest. That's stealing affection for Jesus, and that needs to be gone. You see, because you don't fall into rest, but the reality is you don't step into rest oftentimes without stepping out of something else, right? There's too many things going on in life. You can't just get everything done. You can't be at every party. Your kid can't do every sport. You can't check social media every five minutes. You won't rest. You don't fall into it, but to step into it, you have to step out of some other things. So what is that for you? Tomorrow, that you need to say, that's going off the list. So look at your calendar. Does it reflect who you're becoming, who you want to become? What's stealing away from this Sabbath rest, injecting it into your everyday? How do you need to take that out? Take those steps. Step into this rest. It won't just happen. Let me pray. Father in heaven, I pray that we would realize that you you work when we rest, that you move when we stop moving, that you do that because you set it up that way. And that we would trust. God, so many of us, we don't believe that. It's true. 
Functionally, we don't. And so, God, I pray that we would look at our calendar as if it's true today, that as a spouse, with our families, with our friends, we, we would make some changes to our schedule. But more than that, we would uproot some of that unbelief so that we could ultimately rest in you. God, help us to do this. Um, help us to navigate these challenges of our culture so we can rest. You've designed us this way. Help us to do that practically and live in rhythms of rest as your people. God, help us to do that now, even as we sing. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.